Falcha. Welcome to the Village Oak Tree for September 6, 2023. Hello again, my name is Terrence O'Donnell and I come back to your digital village with more news from around the world and an op-ed about something specific that I hope will make you sit up and pay attention. This once-a-week podcast is hosted on rss.com and it's also available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Pandora, Intunes, Google Podcasts, Deezer, and a few others. A little about me. I'm a senior citizen activist of Irish descent and a self-professed Shauna Kay, a Gaelic storyteller. I want listeners to feel like we're sitting under your village oak tree where I have headlines from news feeds and relevant blog articles that are important but sometimes lost in the shuffle of cable news. These stories are generally about climate change, racism, politics, and social injustice. Each article I present to you, there will be a link to read about it in its entirety in the follow-up newsletters I post in medium.com, substack.com, and in the blog section of my website, crownbihad.com. I have more about my website during the break. This podcast is free to subscribe to for now, but I do have a donation tab on the Village Oak Tree webpage at rss.com to help support my activism. I want this to be shared as much as possible in order to push people to get out and make a difference in our world before it gets too late. Much like passing a hat at the end of my visit to your village. I will be taking a small break once I've given you the headlines I picked out for this week. Then after the wee break, I will bring you the second half with today's special topic. This week I have the usual mix of world politics, climate change, and racism. What a bunch of stories about China. In the second half, I talk about the state of the world and a little bit about something called, quote, the doctrine of discovery, unquote and how it is permeating throughout American society. So let's get to the first story of the week. My first story is from Texas. The next two stories, actually. My first one is Texas judge blocks bill that would allow state to override local water breaks rules. Republicans' Death Star law would have hurt many local labor laws, including paid sick leave and mandated water breaks. This came out of the Guardian.com U.S. News. Republican leaders in Texas have no compassion whatsoever for the poor outdoor workers who are largely made up of Latinos and African Americans and other immigrants. Making a law stopping them from having water and bathroom breaks on company time is cruel and inhumane. A Texas judge has blocked it for now, but they want to fight it. Why don't they want to allow water breaks for one of the hottest, hottest regions of the United States? Well, I can tell you, it's money. My next one, Texas Supreme Court allows ban on transgender youth care to take effect. Judges ruling on new state law sets up Texas to be the most populous state with such restrictions on transgender children. Again, theguardian.com, U.S. News. All i got to say about this is parents of transgender kids, you leave, if, you're li- if you live in Texas, you need to leave Texas as soon as you can afford to. The state is not safe for you anymore. And it's only going to continue to get worse. So, again, that's just a warning. Some, some of you have already taken heed of this. The rest of you, if you have any transgender kids in, in schools there in Texas, you need to find another state to live in because it's not safe for you anymore. Now we're going to go over to Alabama, which is another state with all kinds of restrictive racist issues. Alabama Attorney General says he has a right to prosecute people who facilitate travel for out-of-state abortions by Andy Rose and CNN. 
more and more states are jumping aboard this train, turning pregnant women into stay-at-home baby makers, something the religious right is pushing. These white religious radicals are afraid of low birth rates and being replaced by others, so they want zero tolerance on anything related to abortion. If they continue, women will, women will likely lose the right to work, own property, and everything else they gained after the 1960s in, in certain states. More and more push for a divided continent based on religious and moral preferences. And I'm going to have a lot more about that in the second half. Mississippi elects openly gay lawmaker for the first time in state's history. Victory for Fabian Nelson, a Democrat, leaves Louisiana's only state never to elect an LGBTQ plus person to its legislature. And Louisiana doesn't look like to be doing anything about that soon. I got another story come out at the Guardian U.S. News. This is by Ramon Antonio Vargas. A first for Mississippi, and he's an African-American to boot. I wish him well, as he's going to need it there. If You know, I got to wonder if he's going to be treated like those young gentlemen from Tennessee. So if anybody doesn't know or has short memory, there were three Tennessee legislators. Um, you know, they were Democratic um, House of Representatives, uh, you know, district reps. But they objected to gun laws there, got ejected from their state Congress earlier this year. Got, you know, a couple of them got reinstated. Uh, but both of those gentlemen are African-Americans and they're fighting really hard to to, you know, keep their seats. So I'm hoping this gentleman from Mississippi doesn't run into the same issues. So now I'm going to go across the country. This is another article about LGBTQ people. And I got this one from James Finn in Medium.com and his publication, Prism and Pen. Meet Ibrahim, a gay Sudanese youth brutalized under UN care at Kakuma. He was almost killed for being gay. His father was murdered for the crimes of the son, and the brutality he lives with at the Kakuma Refugee Center in Kenya will stun you. So it's a shocking and brutal story of conditions on the African continent regarding LGBTQ people there. As we all know, Uganda outlawed it altogether, and a couple other countries over there probably have the same stuff on the books. None of the richest countries want to help. As a matter of fact, they're shunning the whole situation as if it doesn't exist. You know, we don't see any evil. We don't hear any evil. Don't speak any evil. There must not, you know, therefore there must not be any evil. And the story itself is a very good read. It's very brutal, though. Uh, I will warn you, if you, uh, you know, if you're not into uh, anything above PG, you probably don't want to read this. And then I got a couple of articles from Tom Hartman this week. And these back here to the United States. The shocking GOP plan to dismantle the American government revealed the merger of billionaire wealth with Republican governance, the public be damned, threaten the integrity and future of the American experiment. So this is outright in-your-face plan for subverting the American governmental system into an autocratic oligarchy is scary with the revel revelation of this Project 2025 paper. It's a blueprint of sorts to away, take away our rights and throw, throwing the Constitution out the window. And he's another one here, he's all about, you know, smacking the GOP in the jaw. How the GOP suckered America on tax cuts. Wait a minute, I can hear you saying. Cutting taxes on rich people makes them richer, but cutting taxes on working class people cuts their pay? 
WTF? Question mark, exclamation, question mark. And this is from Tom Hartman's Hartman report, both of these, the previous article and this one. So more on the morality of the Republican Party and the failure of the American middle and poor social strata. And this came out over Labor Day weekend. As long as the GOP has any control over the governmental institution in the U.S., nothing will change. Bringing back the higher tax rates for the wealthiest will likely never happen again anytime soon. It's becoming ever more doubtful that the U.S. will remain a democracy within the next 20 to 30 years unless something radically changes soon. And again, I'm going to say more about this in the second half. And this article here I got from the Washington Post business section. And it's by Tony Rom. Poor families could see cuts to food aid as Congress battles over budget. The Biden administration is seeking $1.4 billion in emergency funding as rising demand and high food costs. Imperil, a federal program that provides healthy food for women, infants, and young children. In a fight for American tax money versus reducing the deficit, the Democrats are fighting to keep food available for the poor with the WIC program. And the Republicans want to take it all away to reduce the deficit. The Republicans reduced the food stamp program a while ago, and now they want to reduce the WIP program to near nothing. Hungry people will get very angry, and maybe even more so than they already are already. So there's a lot of grumbling in the United States right now from the lower middle class and poorer people trying to make ends meet. A lot, of them, a lot more of them are becoming homeless every month because they can't afford to pay the rents now. So now you're going to reduce food? Yeah, that's just asking for riots. All right, so now we're going to jump out of the United States and we're going to move across over to the South Pacific. Fishing with fear as Philippines stands up to China. And I got this one out of the BBC.com News World Asia by Laura Bicker. She's an Asia-Pacific correspondent. Another story of Chinese aggression around their territorial waters. The Philippines won the border argument in a world court in 2016, but Beijing doesn't care about any world courts. They've laid claim to all of South China Sea and are defending it with their rhetoric and water cannons so far. Now the local fishermen are afraid to venture out on these normal fishing grounds anymore out of fear. And these are supposed to be Filipino territorial fishing grounds, but the Chinese are pushing them off with water cannons so, so far. All the fishermen want to do is wish all the governments would settle this so they can go back to fishing for a living. And there's going to be more stories like this going on. You just bet. Uh, and there may be some future stories where they may use something a little more lethal than water cannons. That'll be interesting to see how that works out. And then here, another Chinese story. China tells India to stay calm in border map row. Another one from BBC.com News World Asia and India. So China has decided to redraw their border maps in their favor. And India, Malaysia, and the Philippines are shouting, no way. The new map is claiming territory that was once there, so they say. This is typical Chinese behavior. They bully smaller, poorer countries, thinking they will roll over, but not anymore. India has enough clout to take care of themselves, and the Philippines and Malaysia rely on Western allies to protect them. More and more tension between China and its poorer neighbors. Although India is not so poor anymore, and may bring things to a head soon. And if anybody knows, India and China have been on a land border dispute on India's eastern border with China 
um, there have actually been some fatalities, uh, you know, and, and injuries and things like that with their border patrol, uh, you know, getting in fracases with each other. And now we may have some stuff, some stuff going on here. Let's see. China is kind of pushing the envelope here a little bit. And this is another article here about China. And this I got from TheMedium.com by an, a writer named Barry Gander. The Genie in the Map, Power and Dreams from a Magic Page. So I found this blog article from someone I follow. And as I mentioned, his name is Barry Gander. And it's an expansion of the news articles I just gave you. It goes into a lot more detail on China's probable future ambitions, and they aren't good for the rest of Asia, Russia, or anyone else in that part of the world. Now we need to wait and see if this, if these littler countries can come together and stand up to Chinese imperialism. And that's the big ticket right now. China, Russia's got a lot going on, but believe it or not, China is starting to kind of uh, move in a little bit. Um, and Russia's too busy in Ukraine right now to pay a lot of attention. But the other countries, on the other hand, Southeast Asia, Malaysia, Indonesia, the Philippines, they're all feeling a pinch. In India as well. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how that works out. And this one I got from, kind of changed subject here a little bit. This is part of my ongoing, anytime I find an article about modern slavery kind of thing. This one is from Shahra Fazli in aljazeera.com opinions. Modern slavery, Pakistan's latest climate change curse. As Pakistan finds itself in another unpredictable monsoon season, vulnerable farming communities face a resurgence of indentured servitude and other forms of modern slavery. So, as I said, I'm really big on doing anything I can to get rid of the world of modern-day slavery. So here's another article I'm going to push out on you. Um, you know, it's the only thing is over there, they're calling it debt repayment indentured servitude in order to pay back agricultural debts. In the most rural provinces, the rich landlords are holding tenant and sharecroppers hostage because of crop failures from climate destruction. Because a lot of these landlords are also politicians, the government is not stepping in to help because government officials are the slave masters. And it's becoming a real big problem over there. Saudi man sentenced to death for tweets and the harshest verdict yet for online critics. And this is by Aya Batrawi in NPR.org. And this is what the autocratic world is coming to. Death for criticizing one of their governments on social media. Coming soon to the United States if one of a handful of GOP wannabes becomes the GOP primary winner. I don't think the U.S. would give out a death sentence, but jail most certainly, as one frontrunner has already promised. And what this basically amounts to is a Saudi man was arrested for criticizing the king on on Twitter, or they're calling that X now. You don't call it Twitter anymore. And he's been put in jail with a death sentence. And that's what the Saudi king over there is doing to people. U.S. foreign policy has an extension agenda. And this is from Spencer Ackerman in TheNation.com. As the world loses time to act, U.S. elites are working to dominate the remains of a ruined planet. This journal, journalist lays it all on the line here. The IPCC gave everyone 30 months to cease greenhouse gas emissions by 2025, or there will be no limits to global warming 
at 1.5 Celsius. He goes on to tell everyone that due to U.S. and Chinese imperialistic ambitions and energy independence, the fight for global dominance is more important than working with the rest of the world to reverse rising heat. Neither country wants to back down in their Cold War to see who will be the top dog in the world. So global warming has become a second-tier worry now. Well, that's, that's basically what it's coming down to. What this article talks about here is how much the United States doesn't want to lose its top dog setting in the world. They want to be the number one superpower. And China is pushing hard against that. They're doing everything they can to supplant that and make themselves the number one superpower in the world. And the Americans are fighting that hard. They don't want to lose that prestige. And, of course, it gives them a lot of clout in a lot of other countries, which over in the Middle East, they're starting to lose that as well. So it's, it's a big deal when it comes to climate change because I said a lot of stuff is going on a back burner because of all this. Here's another article about China. Like I said, I got a bunch of them for you this week. China, a serious risk to U.S. manufacturers, CEOs tell House Committee by Kenneth Reposa, senior contributor for Forbes.com. American corporate leaders give House Committee an, an earful about how they can't compete with Chinese manufacturing despite increased tariffs and restrictive trade policies. Wah, wah, wah. Poor American corporations crying about losing money to the Chinese. Now they want to add more fuel to the Cold War fire between the U.S. and China. Me, I, I don't care. Let them lose money. Probably better for the climate anyway. But, of course, you know they're going to cry and cry. And they're, you know, the Republicans who are on the take are going to listen to them and do everything they can to give them what they want. Again, more about Americans wanting to be top dog in the world versus the Chinese. My next one. This is Blue Water Ambitions. Is China looking beyond its neighborhood now because it has the world's largest navy? This is by analysis by Brad Linden and Simone McCarthy in CNN. Analysis of China's moves to set up deep water ports in other parts of the world. Southeast Asia, Cuba, Argentina, the west coast of Africa, and anywhere else they can get away with. It seems they're serious about trying to push the envelope towards global dominance, something the U.S. has held with regard to naval presence around the world since World War II. Now with the U.S. scaling back on its navy, as in not as many ships, China is trying to step in to fill a void and expand that. So for anybody who doesn't understand the United States can't afford its navy anymore, so they're decommissioning ships that are no longer serviceable. In other words, they can't afford to fix them anymore and not building too many new ones. Meanwhile, the Chinese are building ships like crazy. So they do. They have the world's largest navy now. And now I'm going to go up to Russia. Vladimir Putin's master plan is being exposed, and it poses a threat to his legacy. While many believe Russia is just a mafia-run state with nukes, one analyst has laid bare the true threat Vladimir Putin poses to the world by Alex Blair. And this came out of www.news.com Australia. Now we have something about the Russians. And more to the point, Vladimir Putin. According to this, he wants to expand Russian influence across the globe, or at least all of Europe anyway. He must have read too much of Mein Kampf. China certainly will discourage that, much less the Western nations, but that doesn't seem to be stopping him. 
He's been using social media to spread disinformation, disinformation about Russian ambitions for years. And the Ukraine thing is just the beginning. If he wins, and that's in question right now, and if he dies, likely this global dominance plan is going to die with him. We can only hope. And now I'm going to get into environmental articles. My first one this week is Iceland allows whaling to resume and massive step backwards. Activists say that whales will still suffer agonizing deaths despite new regulations and monitoring. And this was from the Guardian.com environmental section by Karen McVeigh. Iceland is one of only three countries that allow the killing of whales now, and they just open it back up again until the one whaling company's license expires at the end of this year. The other two countries are Norway and Japan. With fin whales on the endangered list, we have to wonder what the commercial value is for the Icelanders. Do they need the whales for food that badly? That is what Jap Japan hunts them for. I imagine Norway and Iceland have related uses for the meat and other things taken from the dead whales. Is whale meat a primary food staple for Iceland and Norway? They're not saying, but there's a good possibility that uh, it probably has something to do with their uh, table stock. U.S. government is funding kills of endangered animals, activists say. June hunt in Alaska that killed 99 bears and five wolves prompts activists to renew their call for crackdown on rogue states. And this is from the Guardian.com Environment by Tom Perkins. Once again, Republicans and their redneck supporters make an end around of environmental regulations to make their donors happy. Who in your right mind thinks shooting animals from a helicopter is hunting? It's murder. Just as if someone shot humans from the safety of a helicopter. No difference. It's just another excuse for bragging rights when the wealthy shooters and government sponsors get together over beers later laughing about their trophy kills. Paid for with government money. These rich hunters are probably made mostly of ranch owners and their supporters who only want to prevent the prevent predators from eating their prized livestock. They can't make money from cows that get eaten by bears and wolves, now can they? So we're going to jump across the country from Alaska, from Alaska to Massachusetts. Lobstermen face hypoxia in outer Cape waters. Low oxygen levels linked to warmer water spell trouble for local lobsters by Georgia Hall, Provincetown, Independent. And this is from InsideClimateNews.org. Global warming is heating up the oceans and creating hypoxia spots on the ocean floor in former cooler, cool water places around the world. Marine life is either dying off or migrating due to, to cooler waters with more dissolved oxygen in the water for them to breathe. The story talks about lobsters, but this applies to all marine life around the world. The fishing industry around the world is going to take a big hit soon. We're just starting to see the tip. And then I picked up this article as, you know, it's environmental. It has nothing to do with fish. The Oppenheimer movie and a real-life radiation time bomb. Have you ever heard of the Hanford site? And this is in medium.com from my favorite Canadian writer, Sam W. And it's published in Behave, Bonson and Behaven Blogs publication. A very good blog article about a rather unknown nuclear dump site that's a ticking time bomb that the feds are being awful slow and quiet about taking care of. Meanwhile, generations of local people have been or are dying of radiation sickness, plus the very real threat to the to the ecosystem if this stuff gets into the Columbia River. I guess the feds have more important things to worry about, like a failing foreign policy, tens of thousands of migrants requesting asylum, and re-election. 
all of which are way more important than massive radiation contamination of the northwestern part of the North America, because if this stuff leaks out, it will contaminate Canada as well, she points out. And if anybody doesn't know where this place is, it's up in the southwest part of um, Washington State, as I recall from her article. This has been going on since the early 1950s, and it's it's going to happen. Something bad's going to happen very soon, because, of course, the Americans aren't going to do anything. And this one here goes across the ocean to Africa, feeding big agribusiness, which is starving Africans. Industrial agriculture has failed to eliminate food insecurity in Africa. It's time for a radically different approach. Now, this one is from Motinta Nakatani and Timothy Wise. She's from the she's the national coordinator for Zambia Alliance for Agroecology and Biodiversity. And he's the senior advisor at the Institute for Agriculture and Trade Policy. And I got this out of Al Jazeera.com opinion section. So it's another example of corporations scamming African farmers and governments out of money just to line their own pockets. Certain groups and African governments are starting to push back and return farming back to the local farmers who actually know how to take care of the land and get more out of it without ruining it, producing more for the hungry people of Africa. Now, if only the farmers of North America could see this and do the same. Corporate agriculture is causing near famine conditions and, and serious debt for little in return around the world. It's time to take out the trash and start over with old school farming techniques. And I have a, a feel good article from the United States. Native tribe to get back land 160 years after the largest mass hanging in U.S. history. Upper Sioux Agency State Park in Minnesota where bodies of those killed after U.S. Dakota War are buried to be transferred. And this come out of the Guardian.com U.S. News. So some good news for America's indigenous peoples for a change. State of Minnesota is giving back some land. It was a state park. Giving it back to the tribe that it used to belong to before the white colonists hanged 38 tribe members back in 1862. Broken treaties and an attempted genocide by starvation caused the uprising in the first place. Now some American officials are giving back when they can. And so it's it's a it's a done deal, but it's going to take a while for us to actually transition over completely. But it's actually good news. Now, if only more things like this could happen. Now I'm going to go back overseas again. I got another article I picked up out of Median.com. What would you do if the U.S. was bombarding your rice fields? What would you feed your children when there is nothing to eat? And this is from your native friend, as she publishes under. Um, and she's from Costa Rica. This is a short blog article from a non-American writer from Costa Rica who's currently living in Vietnam. This little post is an eye-opening view of Western colonialism and its devastating impact on the Vietnamese people when the U.S. decided to commit genocide to try and win the war by starving them all out. It didn't work. It actually had the opposite effect, and the U.S. went home with its tail between its legs. It's a very good article about how the Vietnamese overcame um devastating bombing campaign to wipe out all their rice fields. What they were eating in place of rice that was no more, yeah, it's pretty ugly, but they did survive and sent the United States home back home packing. And this one is about education, not here in the United States, but actually in Germany. German schools see rise in violence by Volker Witting. 
And this came out of the DW.com, a European newspaper. Threats, defamation, and even physical attacks are a daily occurrence for many teachers in Germany. Dealing with the situation has become a major challenge. So his new story from Germany, as I've said, it seems the U.S. is not the only country with public school problems. There's been a sharp uptick in school violence being committed by students and parents against teachers there as well. This may be becoming a Western world thing now with all of the migrations going on. Now, it doesn't really say what who the students are. They're, they're doing most of the abuse here. Um, so I, I can't really tell you that it's being done by migrants. But it's a thing over there in Germany. And, you know, Germany is one of the most peaceful countries in the world right now. You know, and maybe not so much anymore. So now we're going to... I picked up this article here from Northern Ireland. Of course, anytime I see something that's important to the world that they should know about um, from Northern Ireland, I'm going to mention it here in this podcast. Catholic officers are, in quote, asking if they should bring firearms to mass, unquote, after PSNI leak. And police service of Northern Ireland is what PSNI means. Officials and civilian staff in Northern Ireland feeling frightened and betrayed, Commons Committee told. And this came out of the TheGuardian.com UK News. So it's beginning to look like a modern version of the Troubles is making a comeback in Northern Ireland with the latest business of the leaked police officers' personal information. Catholic police officers, what few there are, are being advised to carry, wep- carry a weapon to mass when they asked about it. This is a throwback to the times before 1998 when no one was safe. Unionists are asking for financial assistance from London to combat this, but with the British attitude towards the Irish at the moment, fat chance of that happening. And another issue going on with politics uh, about their legacy bill, and I mentioned something about that a week or so ago, and that's still an ongoing thing. My last article of the day is an anthropological article, and it's an eye-opener and such because... This is probably coming for us in the future. It's called an ancestral bottleneck, unquote, took out nearly 99% of the human population 800,000 years ago. Only 1,280 breeding individuals may have existed at this dramatic era of human history by Laura Basis. And this came out of www.popsopularscience.com. Here's a history lesson that may become a reality again in about 100 years or more if global warming continues. Scientists figure this mass extinction event happened during the last big ice age when their food resource, when the food sources died off due to cold and glacial activity. What was left of the humans went south to warmer climates back then. Now we're seeing the opposite. Humans migrating north to cooler climates. We aren't seeing mass die-offs yet, but wait until the food runs out. And, yeah, that's a big thing. So now that's what I've got for you in the first half. It's time for a little bit of a break, and let me go get a drink of water. So while I'm on my break, uh, give a listen to my little promotional message from my website. And please stay tuned for my op-ed in the second half. I'll be back in a couple of minutes. I want to take this time to bring attention to my website, crombiha.com. I have the RSS feeder enabled so interested folks can get a notice whenever I post something new. Within the website, there is a homepage where you can learn a little more about what Crombie Ha means for a little bit of Irish culture and a little more about me in general. 
I have a blog page where I post copies of my online blog articles and stories and a copy of the weekly podcast with newsletters. I also have a drop-down menu with links to both podcasts and Spotify, a page with links to my Medium and Substack pages, an ad page for my published books, and a contact page in case someone cares to leave a message. If you want to read my articles and stories in Medium.com, you'll need to sign up for a $5 a month subscription. I offer everything for free for two months in Substack with an advert to sign up. If you enjoy reading short stories, poetry, and blog articles, I recommend Medium and Substack as great choices to find what you like to read about most and dive in as much as you want. All the stories, poetry, and newsletters I write will be available in the blog section of my website if you don't want to subscribe to anything. You just won't have access to any other great writers there, but at least I give you a choice. If you like what you read in my blog, please feel free to leave a message in the comment page of my website anytime. Welcome back to the second half of the Village Oak Tree. I want to talk to you today about some history and a possible future if things don't change soon. First, I'll tell you about a book. I want to bring to your attention the history behind the story as a lead into today's topic. In the book, the, the article is entitled, It Stops You Cold, unquote, The 272 Enslaved People Sold to Fund Georgetown. And I got this article out of Guardian.com U.S. News by Oliver Lawland in the New Orleans, I think it's a magazine. But basically what it talks about here is Georgetown University in Washington, D.C. Story, story dates back to 1676 when a black English woman came to Catholic Maryland before it was a state to work as an indentured servant for the ruling family of the time. Yeah, before the revolution in the United States, you know, America was divided up in religious enclaves. These settlements came from Europe where they were had been persecuted for their religious beliefs such as Catholics in Protestant countries and Protestants in Catholic countries. In the case of Alice Joyce, she was just another person in the wrong place at the wrong time in North America, like so many others in today's world. The white Europeans and their descendants were very sick-minded people, and a lot of them still are today, believing that they are morally superior to all the other cultures of the world. Alice Joyce was forced into slavery when a plantation owner and a military officer burned her only piece of paper proving she was an indentured servant and not an enslaved person. Too bad they didn't have digital document saving back then. The white pure Europeans of the time were of the mind that their churches gave them special permission to put all indigenous peoples around the world into slavery so as to indoctrinate them to, to whatever Christian faith was being practiced by their enslavers. So I'm currently reading a recommended book about all of that entitled Unsettling Truce by Mark Charles and Sung Chan Ra. I was watching one of Tar Tom Hartman's shows a couple months ago when he recommended it on one of his book, clubs, book club segments. Both of these co-authors are Christian ministers of different versions of the Protestant Christian faith, but have collaborated in this book to tell the truth about how the Europeans and subsequently the North Americans took this whole doctrine of discovery, unquote, to heart, and how their descendants are still practicing it practicing this papal bull to a large extent centuries later. Mark Charles is half Navajo and Dutch, while Sung Chan Ra is from South Korea. 
All of this controversy over critical race theory does have merit, but it's short-sighted. Yes, white, white race superiority is threaded deep into North American society, but it, it came here by way of the Europeans who took, the, took to heart the papal bulls, telling them to go out and conquer the world and slave all who were not of the true faith. The nations who set out on this quest, at first Portugal and then Spain and then the others, quickly, quickly found out how lucrative kidnapping people from the African continent and selling them as property could be back in the 15th century. Then wrong way Christopher Columbus accidentally finds Guanahani, which he renamed San Salvador, in the Caribbean and opened the door to the American continents. All because he went the wrong way to find a new route to the Far East and the lucrative markets there. How you can make such a colossal mistake with a compass is totally beyond me. What happened after that is a, a, real, a lot of really bad history of genocide by the hundreds of millions across the world because of church and government sanctioned slavery that lasted for centuries. The lands that were colonized in the name of the church had never truly recovered. None of them. Look at what the Europeans have done to the indigenous peoples around the world since the 15th century and to the environment since the Industrial Revolution. Because of their legacy to conquer and kill all who are not of the faith still prevails across the continents, we have a huge wealth disparity around the world. In every nation, from North to South America, and nearly every nation around the world that was colonized by the Europeans, which is nearly all of them, their drive to conquer the world for their religious faith has decimated whole populations of non-Christians and ruined the environment wherever they set up colonies. All because of a quest for wealth for a favored few and church leaders like the Pope in Rome, who gave them permission to do so. Look at what all that's brought the planet to. Wildfires everywhere due to massive pollution. In every facet of the biospheres, pollution. Massive crop failures due to profit over sustainability agricultural policies. Palatable water shortages due to mismanaged resources. Wars and all kind of manner of ills that, would, that can be traced back to the doctrine of discovery. Originally, it was all for making the monarchies richer and by proxy tithing the churches. Who do you think paid for the Vatican? Tithing is just a fancy word for tribute, like the ancient Romans demanded from their conquered nations. So that's the big thing I've said about the Catholic Church since from the beginning. It's just another version of the Roman Empire. The Roman Empire never truly died. It just morphed into the Catholic Church. In the United States now, there's a massive division between devout Christians and those who are not religious or non-Christians. It's taking place mostly in the school lo local school districts and subsequently up to state government levels in some states because the school districts have a majority vote. The same doctrine of discovery is playing a part in these arguments that the public school systems are teaching non-Christian subjects to their children and they want more private religious schools to be made available to them. And they want the government to pay for it. Again, theology is first and foremost in what they want their children to learn in school now. Now here's another article I found about that this week. Maryland Public Schools Religious Showdown Highlights Need for More Choice by Neil McCluskey in the Washington Examiner. And there are more predictions that if the economy in the U.S. doesn't get better soon, as within the next 10 years or so, this religious divide will truly divide the country in a big way, even more so than it is already. Right now, it's mostly an economic divide. But if you add religion into the mix, violent ex extremism will be front and center, and white Christian superiority will be their rallying flag, pointing back to the doctrine of discovery. 
Canada is slowly following on the heels of their southern neighbors as their white majority Christian population is starting to raise its flag of moral superiority superiority in a couple of provinces with more to come if Ottawa doesn't figure out a way to stop it. I'm including this recent article from the New Republic as an example of what's coming in the United States soon. Violence is coming. Question mark. Sorry, it's already here and getting worse. We do have a reason to fear what's coming next. But what's happening right now is concerning enough. Again, come out of the newrepublic.com by Bryn Tannehill. This quote from the last paragraph, I'm going to make, I'm going to read you a quote from the last paragraph. Quote, we are going to see more stochastic political violence regardless of what happens with the election. It's a foregone conclusion. Too many deluded, angry people with guns being egged on by conservative media and leadership constantly being told, quote, those people, unquote, are destroying, quote, their country, unquote, means that the pace of such violence will only continue. The bigger question, to my mind, is if and when does this metastasize into something more directed, unquote. So Bryn Tannehill is a Naval Academy graduate, former Naval aviator, author, and senior defense analyst. She currently lives in Northern Virginia with her wife and three children. She's a frequent contributor to several news media outlets. So you, you might hear me bring up some more of her stories um, from other, other places in the future. So where could all this lead up to eventually? The United States might no longer be united and democracy will be gone in its current form. Canada will divide on cultural and religious lines, mirroring the U.S., and North America will become a series of regional provinces based on religion and race. State and provincial borders will be fought over and rewritten, with every region defending for themselves. Then there will be warlords in charge instead of democratic legislators. After Putin is gone, Russia will likely become a satellite of China, and China will take over colonizing the world, the once United States and Europe. The EU will fade away as bickering nations continue to fight over migrations and break away much like England did. NATO will fade away also once the United States is no longer there to support it. The United Nations will become a joke, their name only, powerless to do anything. More and more large swaths of the planet will become uninhabitable due to global warming, largely caused by pollution from the corporations. Climate destruction will reduce the amount of available farmland, and millions will die of starvation and disease related to, related to not having enough food. Pakistan is experiencing this right now. Corporations will continue to pollute the biosphere, killing even more people and other life because there won't be any government strong enough to stop them anymore. This dire prediction of the future doesn't have to become a reality. Decent people around the world can come together and stop all this, if they can find the will to do so. Right now, there is very little will beyond finding the next meal and having a decent shelter to sleep under, or getting richer by any means. Nothing in the middle between those. Governments are trying, but are too mired in their internal squabbles to make a lot of headway. Something the global fossil fuel industry is pushing hard to maintain. Imagine what would happen in the Middle East if the West stops buying their oil. Can you imagine Aramco going broke and the Saudi kingdom fading back into the desert from whence they came? All their glittery palaces tumbling, crumbling back into the sand. The financial world would implode and the world economy would probably be reset back into pre-industrial ages. The doctrine of discovery is still hanging above the collective world like a sharp sword. The only way to stop it is to forget about skin color and religious differences. 
put that energy into righting the physical wrongs of our planet, take the world back from the corporations, and learn from the indigenous peoples how to reverse as much damage to the biosphere as we can in order to push the time of the sixth extinction back just a few more decades. Because no matter what you believe or have heard, it's coming for us eventually. With global warming only just getting started, life on this planet is going to go through a major reset within the next one to two centuries. The majority of the current life on the planet will die off, much as described in that anthropological article I read you in the first half. The Ice Ages caused a major life form reset, and so will global warming. It never happens within one generation, but it does take place through many before nearly everything dies off. I have one last link to an article by Heated I received last night. It's about Al Gore's TED Talk shows. This one is all about how badly the fossil fuel industry doesn't want to change anything. They just want more. It's entitled Al Gore's new TED Talk is out. The former vice president's powerful presentation couldn't have come at a more crucial time by Emily Atkin. So he talks about how the younger generations need to get up and start changing things before the fossil fuel industry ruins the world. He makes a very good case here. There's a very good video in here that's really interesting to watch and listen to. It's a real eye-opener. So that's all I have for you this week. I hope I've enlightened you with my choice of stories and thoughts. I will close out this show with my question and last thoughts of the week. How willing are you to kick the corporations to the curb and reverse the damage they are bringing to the planet in your personal life? Do you want to go back to the days of the mom and pop grocery stores and locally owned businesses? Life was much better for everyone back then. I would like to thank you for listening to the show today. I hope you enjoyed it and you'll return again for another episode of the Village Oak Tree. Feel free to share this with your friends and relations. The more the merrier. Each podcast episode is free and can be found on many different platforms now, although some may have advertisements. Unfortunately, I have no control over that. Search for the Village Oak Tree or under my name, spelled out T-O-D-O-M-H-N-A-I-L-L in your favorite app. I hope I've achieved my goal in helping you feel like we've been sitting under the Village Oak Tree together during our time. As a Shauna Kay, I want to continue to travel to your digital village every week to bring you something that might bring you a smile or make you think a little after we part for the day. As I say goodbye this week, I wish to leave you with this Irish blessing as you go about your day. May your troubles be less and your blessings be more, and nothing but happiness come through your door. Schlange which means goodbye now in Irish. <laughs>